0: This morning's scriptures reading is in uh, 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27, and it's found in the, uh, the Bibles in your pews in front of you, uh, page 1200. And so as you turn there, I just want to remind any guests or any, uh, anyone here who's filling out a connect card, uh, you can just fill that out now if you would like, and uh, just put it in the offering plate at the end of service, and we would be more than happy to uh, just connect with you. So, um, let's pick up at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for for the prize." Having some audio adventures today, but we'll get it figured out. Um, Welcome back. In it to win it. You feel excited? You look excited. (laughs) I mean, you look ready to get it. (laughs) Um, Last week, we started this series called In It to Win It, and here we go. And, you know, we said, you know, look, it's January, it's a new year, it's 2020, uh, and, and sometimes we like to kind of set goals for ourselves in a new year. Um, but this, this series isn't exactly about setting goals, it's more about creating habits. And I was recently reading this book called Atomic Habits that uh, was pointing out that if you just get tiny bit better every day, if you just form some small habits that you begin to repeat, uh, that over time that has a significant impact. And a lot of times, in our culture especially, we're looking for the microwave solution. You know, we want the uh, whatever's going to be the big bang that's going to fix it all. The silver bullet, right? We, w- we want it like that one thing that if we just do it this week, we'll be fine, <laughs> right? We'll just hit it hard this week. Uh, you know, what if I don't eat at all this week? Then maybe I can just hit my weight goal you know, and just go back to eating regular you know, in February? What if you know, we want the, the big moment? No one's actually doing that. I'm just <laughs> saying we want something fast, right? So uh, that's not usually how the best change happens, right? The long-lasting change that makes a significant difference in people's lives are the little things that they implement in their lives over a long period of time. And so uh, we're talking about being in it to win it in our faith. In particular, and creating some spiritual habits and practices that we begin to incorporate into our life on a regular basis that we believe over time will have a significant impact. And so we're actually with this doing two different challenges. We introduced one last week, which was the Silence and Solitude Challenge, and a whole bunch of you um, have signed up for that. And some of you that didn't sign up exactly officially are still doing it, and so that's awesome. And we've got a bunch of us doing it. If you didn't get information on that, I can get you information on that this week. And we'd love to have you join in with us. You're not too late because we're starting so small. We're starting with just two minutes a day to get in the habit and the routine. We're trying to find a good time and a good place to incorporate this habit of just taking some silence and solitude and reflecting on God for a moment instead of being so busy and filling our space with noise and TV and crossword puzzles and you know, whatever it is that you do, I play uh, Spider Solitaire on my iPad, you know, and I could be just being calm. But uh, so that's something we're trying to incorporate into our life, just taking a few purposeful moments each day. So we're starting so small and we're tra- trying to keep track of your minutes. If you're not keeping track of your minutes, if you didn't do it this week, guess at about how many minutes you did. And write them down and keep track of them so you can send me your total on April 5th when we finish this challenge after about 90 days. And we'll see what our cumulative total is. I'm not going to grade you compared to anyone else or whatever. But I just want to to be able to celebrate as a church. Look how much time we put in together uh, that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. And so uh, we encourage you to do that. So you're you're only like 10 minutes behind. (laughs) Because our minimum right now in January is 10 minutes a week, and so most folks probably just did 10 minutes this last week, so you're not even that far behind. It's gonna be like a drop in the bucket when we're finished in April, so I encourage you to jump in with us on that one. And that uh, challenge had to do with uh, disciplines of abstinence, where we deprive ourselves of things that are fine, they're natural, they're good, uh, in order to gain spiritual freedom. We're not saying that noise is evil or that watching TV is evil or that you know whatever it is that you fill your time with is bad we're just saying we take a break from things that are even good to do something to deprive ourselves of something that makes space for something else something else important and in a noisy world like we've got we need space to think we need space to pray we need space to reflect on what really matters in life what's important and We need space to be able to hear from God and for God to be able to do a work in us. Sometimes I think we fill our lives up with so many to-dos and uh, so many distractions that it's a little wonder that we don't hear much from God. So that was last week, and uh, this week we're going to kind of recap some of what we talked about last week, uh, because it's worth recapping. And then we're going to take this focus in a little bit different direction today, with disciplines that are called disciplines of engagement. But we're calling this In It to Win It because of this passage that we're reading from the Apostle Paul where he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Play like you mean to win it. It's playoff season. Alright, we got uh, some playoff games this week. were bitter about the Saints, but life goes on. <laughs> some of those guys, uh, you know, when you watch the playoffs, even, it's like they've kind of taken it to another level. You know, these professional players that, uh, you know, maybe played a little lazy all season, but now it's the playoffs, so they're bringing their A game a little bit. Uh, but actually, I was just talking to my uncle this week, and he was pointing out that they, they went to a college game and then a pro game recently. They went to... Uh, the LSU game and the Peach Bowl and then they went down to uh, the Superdome uh, to watch the Saints and they said wow what a difference in in the vibe from the two different games and just the atmosphere and stuff and it's not the crowd so much the crowds in it you know wherever you go but the players the passion from the players is so different from the college game to the pro game and uh, why that is, once they get all that money, they get lazy. We don't know what they're doing out there, out there but uh, none of us have been in their shoes. But there's just a different feel to the game. And you can tell when you watch your team or uh, whatever, really in all aspects of life, you can tell it when someone is in it to win it and when they're not. When they're just kind of going through the motions. You can tell when one team wants it worse than another team wants it. So we've been asking, well, what about us? What about with our faith? Are we in it to win it? Are we treating this matter as if it's the matter that matters most? Uh, Because at the end of the day, we believe that all that really matters about you and about your life and about me and my life is who we are before God. What is our relationship like with God? Are we becoming the kind of person that He designed us to be? Because in the end, that's all that will matter. It won't matter how much money you earned in this life. It won't matter what your retirement was like in this life. It won't matter even what your health was like in this life. In the end, it matters about your relationship with God. So, that's what we believe. And if we really believe that, then... It's worth asking, are we in it to win it? Are we even in it to win it as much as we are in other aspects of our life? Are we really trying in this area of our life the way that we try to try to become a better spouse or a better employee or a better boss or a better hunter? Better shopper, better housekeeper, better, you know, all the world is trying to become better at all these different things. And we put a lot of energy into them. But are we striving to get better at this? Well, how do we become better? Yes, it takes the power of God. But there are also practices that Jesus himself practiced and exemplified to his disciples and that they did as well. That put us in position to be used by God, to be changed by God, to be transformed by God. We often call these spiritual disciplines, but they haven't always been called this. Jesus referenced some of them as acts of righteousness. They're just religious practice. People in his culture knew them very well. So you don't find many chapters in scripture saying, this is how you fast. (laughs) They didn't have to explain how to fast or the various ways you can fast. They didn't have to describe a water-only fast and a and a nothing fast, right? They didn't have to go into details of the different lengths of time you could use and how you should start fasting uh, because this was part of their culture. They knew it. It had been passed on from generation to generation. And in many cultures of the world today it still is. Not only that, it doesn't scripture doesn't do much teaching like that because a lot of these things are better Caught than taught. I would suggest if you have kids or grandkids in your life, they're going to learn more about spiritual disciplines from watching you do them than they will from ever hearing a sermon about them or reading a book about them. People back then, they practiced fasting, they practiced solitude, they practiced prayer. They practiced meditating on Scripture, studying Scripture, memorizing Scripture. They practiced gathering together weekly to worship. In our church today, not just our church, but in the church of our culture today, uh, the mantra has been read your Bible and pray. When talked about how do you grow spiritually, if you take a class on you know, how to grow spiritually, how, like a new Christian's class or something like that, they're going to tell you, read your Bible and pray, go to church. But that's mostly been boiled down in our culture today. Like that was my generation, read your Bible and pray. Today it seems more like, uh, well, if you become a Christian, you go to church. And that's how you grow in your faith. You show up. Uh, and so we've kind of even watered that down to the point where, you know, go to church when you can and uh, you know Sunday school that kind of thing is optional and but that's what you do to grow in your faith you listen to sermons you sing worship songs and obviously these are good things and they are make up one thing out of many that people for generations and generations from the very beginning of Christianity have practiced so sure there's nothing wrong with them however the foundational practices at a personal level, have been very much forgotten by many of us, by many of our Christian families in our culture, by many of our churches in our culture. So we're trying to kind of recapture that a little bit. In this two-week series, we're focusing on a couple in particular. What we've tried to share and explain is that these, even though they're kind of a lost and dying art in our culture, we're smart enough to figure them out. Our American ancestors practiced many of them very well just a few generations ago. We, I mentioned last week that probably some of you had a parent or grandparent that knelt every day in prayer for an extended amount of time. And you probably saw them do it sometimes. Or heard about it. Or maybe you saw the spot on the floor that was worn out. Where, where the carpet was worn down because that's where their knees hit the floor in prayer on a regular basis. Uh, You may be, if you grew up in church, you may be old enough to remember when there were prayer gatherings at the church that were regularly well attended, where they would just gather and pray together for extended periods of time. Uh, You may remember uh, from your family's history, I've got a a great grandparent that uh, would just ride his horse out into the woods to be with the Lord. To get some space and be alone with God. Um, They used to practice it not that long ago, so I think we can too. I think we can figure it out. Uh, Most of us are familiar with disciplining ourselves in other aspects of our life. We just haven't applied that as much to our spiritual life as we could. So many of you have learned at some point, uh, maybe you've forgotten now, but at some point you learned... To play an instrument, or to speak a language, or some kind of skill like that. Or maybe you've gone on a diet before, or maybe you've had a gym membership before, and at least for a season, you disciplined yourself. Many of you played sports in school, or did some kind of activity in school that required regular practice and discipline, and running drills, and practicing those drills at home as well, and that kind of thing. So, so we're familiar with how this works, aren't we? We remember, and we know, that small, repetitive actions over a period of time are how you develop as a person. And so it is in our spiritual life that through certain practices we give God something to work with in our lives. And we give Him the space to work in our lives. And we we offer up something to Him that He can use to actually transform our hearts. These are not some kind of formula by which we, uh, in our own power, transform ourselves. But rather they're the way in which we work into our lives the truths of God so that he can bring them to life within us in a way that only his Holy Spirit can do. Paul wrote that everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That they do this to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Think for a moment. What are you training yourself in right now? I'll bet there's something that you're working hard at, whether it's your job or your hobby. There's something you're applying yourself to or have recently applied yourself to to improve yourself. Chances are, It's not a crown that will last, because there's not many crowns that will last out there, are there? It's not too many crowns in this world you can gain. Not too many achievements you can pursue that will last. So let's make sure that we're running to gain a crown that will last. So Paul goes on in his letter to the Christians in the first century. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Even someone that we tend to put up on a pedestal like the Apostle Paul felt the need to practice disciplining himself, bringing his body under control because our bodies we teach are, are wired in a way that often is not God's way we come born into this world uh, corrupted by sin and, and sin desires and longs for things that aren't the things that God designed us for they're not the ways of living that God designed us to live and so when we engage in those things uh, they lead to death that's what we teach as Christians that's what the Jewish people believed as well So, Paul says, look, we've got to bring this body under control. And to do that is going to require discipline. I love the verse that says uh, that we need to be putting to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Spirit. That it's a thing that we do and a thing that He does. It's by His power that transformation happens in our lives. But it's not something that we aren't participating in. You have a role to play, and that is to discipline yourself in these regards and then trust God to supply the power that's necessary to transform your heart, to make it more than a surface thing. We're not interested in just modifying behaviors in the church, of just looking good or sounding nice. We want to become the kind of people that do the kinds of things that Jesus did. And so to do that, we've got to, well, for starters, be with Jesus. The silence challenge that we're in the middle of is, a big part of that is about clearing out the space to be with Jesus. Because Until we clear out the space to be with him, how are we going to become like him? How are we going to learn to live his way and to be someone on the inside it's like the kind of person he wants us to be a Christian who seldom practices the things that Jesus practiced is not much of a Christian I submit to you Christian means little Christ it's someone who follows Jesus and does the things that Jesus did and sometimes we limit that conversation to loving and serving and things like that which are true, but Jesus did more than that. He disciplined himself. He practiced these same practices that his disciples went on to practice and their followers went on to practice, the other followers of Jesus, and generations and generations to come. And if we don't practice these same things that they practiced and that Jesus taught them to practice, then we're not practicing Christianity. Just like a basketball player that just wants to play the game but never wants to practice or a football player that just wants to show up you know, at the Superdome but not hit the weight room they're not really football players because <laughs> they're not doing what football players do they have to hit the weight room or else they're going to get flattened like a pancake <laughs> right? so it is with us in our faith Today, we're not trying to say that these disciplines are the point of being a Christian. Yes, the point of being a Christian is learning to love God and love others the way Christ taught us to. But the way that you become that kind of person is by doing the same kinds of things that Jesus did and then trusting his Holy Spirit to supply the power where we are powerless. There are some things you are powerless to do. But there are some things you're not powerless to do. So do the things that you can do. And trust God to do the things that only He can do. Last week we talked about disciplines of engagement. I mean, abstinence, we called them. Disciplines of abstinence where you separate yourself from something for spiritual purposes. So maybe it's uh, food that you step back from. Maybe it's noise that you step back from, things like that. Maybe it's uh, money that you take a break from and you just say, look, we're going to be super frugal for a season and remind ourselves that we need God more than we need stuff. All these things are disciplines of abstinence. And today we're going to talk about disciplines of engagement. That's kind of the reverse, uh, where we... Uh, practice immersing ourselves in something that uh, perhaps seems unnatural to us but is good uh, so that we can gain spiritual growth and direction. You've got a, a guide a little uh, handout in your in your bulletin that describes describes it this way if, if disciplines of abstinence can be thought of as exhaling what we don't necessarily need as much as we need God. The disciplines of engagement would be the inhaling of what we do need most. So, If you look at the side that says train as Jesus trained you'll find a few of the similar verses to what we looked at last week but also some new ones. We'll just run down the list real quick we won't read this word for word but in Luke 6 we read about the priority that Jesus put on prayer. And in Matthew 26, we see one of the reasons that we pray, the disciplines of of engagement, you're engaging in prayer, one of the reasons that we pray is that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And most every one of us have experienced the truth of that statement at some time or another, haven't you? Where you want to do something, but boy... (laughs) making yourself do it is a whole other story I wonder how many of us have, have hit some kind of wall in our battle against sin hit some kind of wall in, where we're trying to make ourselves do something our spirit wills it but our flesh is weak and we failed to engage in serious prayer about that thing we just kept hitting that wall until we gave up or we tried a program or we tried whatever you know, we read a book But Jesus here says, keep watch and pray. The flesh is weak, even when the Spirit's willing. Maybe we should take his advice and engage in prayer more. In Matthew 4, he taught us that we need more than just bread to live, to really live. You can't just feed your body, you need to feed your soul. And so he said, uh, We do not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And actually, what he's doing in that passage is responding to Satan. That's when he was tempted in the wilderness, and Satan would take scripture and twist it and, uh, to, into something so he could kind of plant a, a lie in Jesus' heart, hoping that Jesus would take the bait. And each time, Jesus replied with scripture. And here's the cool thing that we know. Is that Jesus did not pull up the scripture on his smartphone. They didn't have reception in the wilderness. All right? He didn't do that. And he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a, even a Gideon New Testament to pull out from his back pocket. He had none of that. He had memorized scripture. And so he had it ready when he needed it. In Luke 2, uh, we read about a young Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, that was in the temple asking questions and giving answers, engaging with the, you could call them the spiritually elite of his day, the you know, the ones with the masters of divinity, the doctorates, the ones that knew all about the you know translations and the uh, all the different Hermeneutics and all these things that, uh, you know, the, all the terms and all the right, like they were thinking on, you know, this level. And Jesus comes and meets with them and starts asking questions and offering answers to their questions that blew their minds. How does this young man know that? And it reminded me, when I read that, it reminded me of this verse I ran across in Psalm 119, which is a, a psalm about God's word. And that verse verse 99, there's a lot of verses in Psalm 119, if you've never read it. it. says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I connected those two thoughts. This, this uh, sort of almost sounds kind of like bragging in Psalm 119 of, I've got more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation, with that story about this young Jesus that already had so much insight at such a young age. And we're given the clue right there in Psalm 119 of how something like that can happen. It's when you make God's Word your meditation, where you you think through it very well. You're not just learning facts. You're thinking about what they mean and how they can be incorporated into your life. This meditating on it is often what separates people that sound smart from people who have actually made progress in their lives. In Luke 4, we read about Jesus coming and entering the synagogue, which was his custom. So every week on the Sabbath, he would enter the synagogue. And in verse 17 there, it says that the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written and so I want you to picture for a moment. They say, hey, Jesus, good to have you in town. Would you like to do some uh, reading and teaching this week? And he says, sure. So he goes up to the front. He's the, the guest rabbi that day. And so he sits up there and they hand him a scroll. You've seen scrolls, right? The old pictures of them, at least. Uh, they're on these, like, they look like rolling pens or something, you know, but they're wrapped up with parchment. And he opens it up. And he finds the place where this particular passage is that he was looking for. And he reads it to him. Now again, he didn't have scrolls at home. But at some point in his life, he had applied himself and familiarized himself with these scrolls. That contain the words of the prophets. And he could find his way. How many Christians today can find their way in a Bible? But Jesus could find his way in a scroll that was only available in the synagogue. We also read that Jesus came to serve. We read that Jesus uh, was willing to submit his will to the Father's will. And sacrifice his life. And those are other disciplines that people have practiced down through the years. Disciplining themselves to submit to God's will. And to the authority of those that God places over them. And also uh, a discipline of, of serving others, right? Sometimes you don't feel like serving others. Sometimes you don't feel like... Uh, going and helping someone out that needs help, or serving a meal to someone who doesn't get many meals, or kind of have to make yourself do it. It's a discipline. And, And sometimes the idea of sacrificing something that we want or need for the good of another, sometimes that's hard to just want to do. So we discipline ourselves to practice these things. Just as Jesus did. But I want to hone in on one particular thing today, just like we did last week. Last week we talked about silence and solitude, so we're going to wrap up today by talking about. You're going to love this. And this is our challenge for this week, or for this, yeah, the one we're launching this week. We've got plenty of time to do it. We're going to memorize some scripture. Scripture memorization. Now, before I lose you, let me just say that this is one of the things that again Christians have practiced for ages that Jesus and his apostles practiced that the Jewish people practiced Uh, God designed your brain and my brain to memorize things now I know that some of you would argue with that. And you'd say, your brain might have been designed to memorize things, mine was designed to forget things. Alright, fair enough. But I just want to argue with you for a second that the creator of the universe wouldn't command his people to memorize his words if their brains weren't capable of it. And I would just suggest to you I would suggest to you that if those people all those years ago in the wilderness that left Egypt and God gave them his law and he said write it on your hearts and minds and keep it before you all day and meditate on it day and night. If those people could memorize the law without even a book to read it from. They were illiterate ignoramuses without even a kindergarten education. If they could memorize it, (laughs) you can memorize it. Uh, you've already memorized a bunch of stuff. If I went and asked you, you could probably tell me your phone number, you could probably tell me your mailing address, you could probably tell me your social security number. And those are completely random assortments of words and numbers that mean nothing. Like they don't even make sense. And you've memorized them. you've carried them with you your whole life. A lot of you can remember things like your phone number when you were a kid or just weird, you know, your old address and state you lived in years ago or whatever Like you can, you hang on to and retain and memorize all sorts of things all the time so don't give me all this about we can't do it you can do it but if it sounds intimidating to you just think of it as a repetition challenge because that's really all memorizing is, is you repeat something until you've got it you look at it and repeat it And then you don't look at it and repeat it, and what do you know? You've got it, and you just keep on doing that, and you add to it, and before long, you've got it. So if memorization challenge sounds daunting to you, think of it as a repetition challenge, because all we're really trying to do is create a habit of absorbing Scripture. You're going to memorize most of it if you repeat it a lot and so the goal is not at the, at the end of this challenge if you don't have it all memorized verbatim you still win the challenge if you went through the process and let me talk about why for a minute why this matters because I had a hard time buying into why this matters uh, like I used to say well what's the point really I get why they needed to memorize Scripture because they didn't have a book, you know. But I've got a book. And I can open it any time. I've got, you know, an app on my phone that I can search anytime and find. Like, I don't even have to have the verse number memorized anymore because I can just search for a couple words in the verse and it pulls up the verse. I'm good to go. So I thought, well, I don't really need to memorize. And I thought, really, the only point that I ever heard made when I was a kid as to why you would want to memorize a verse is, is the point that is made from that passage we read where Jesus is responding to Satan and they would say, well, if you're tempted or if you're going through a hard time you can just pull up that verse you know, without having to look for it like it's right there in the moment even if you can't access the Bible in that moment you'll have that verse it's, it's with you and that's a good point but again, I kind of made the excuse of, well, yeah, I can, I can search pretty fast for that verse and pull it up. I didn't realize that the benefit of memorizing Scripture begins with what it does to your mind. Repeating something over and over again works it into your mind in a way that just reading it cannot it incorporates it into your life in a way that reading it cannot. You, you can read a passage and study it, what it means and walk away from it and maybe you take something with you, maybe you don't but when you repeat something over and over again in your in your mind it it changes it changes your mind And it gets inside you in a way that just reading it cannot. You begin to notice as you repeat, especially if you're memorizing a larger passage of Scripture, which is what we're going to shoot for. When you try to do that, you begin to notice patterns and themes that you would have missed if you hadn't repeated it over and over again and worked it into your mind. What I've also found is that memorizing Scripture is what unlocks meditation, Christian meditation. You can't meditate on Scripture until you've memorized it. Until you get it inside you, you can't spend time thinking about it. So you put it inside you. And when Scripture is inside you, then God's truth is inside you. And His Holy Spirit has something to work with inside you. Single verses are good, but from what I've read, memorizing larger passages is even better, far better, when it comes to life-transforming work in your life, a discipline that helps you to understand God's truth and to work passages and themes of Scripture and truths of Scripture into your life. So we've picked a passage for our challenge from Colossians 3, not the whole chapter, but verses 1-17 through 17, where we're going to uh, step by step begin to repeat these verses and incorporate them into our memory so that we can think on them. And I didn't want to ask you to do something daunting like this without trying it myself. So, recently in December leading up to this once I realized we were going to shoot for this I worked on Psalm 103 Now, December was a crazy month for me. We were traveling, we were busy. When we weren't traveling, it was crazy. But I got all 22 verses memorized in Psalm 103, just a few minutes each day, repeating, repeating, repeating. So, I've. and that was partly so I could work out a strategy to give you, which I'm going to give you in circles in a little bit, uh, to anyone that wants to come get it. And if you can't make it to circles today, I'll get with you later. But... uh, what I've found is that I love having Psalm 103 memorized. I also memorize a short passage in, uh, of 1 Corinthians 13 that just has the, uh, the part that describes what love is like. And and that helps me so much. When I go into a time where I'm going to try and pray, I pray through that verse sometimes. Or I pray through Psalm 103. And it, it's really nice to be able to pray in that way and to hold that in my mind and I can understand better how memorizing passages of scripture like that puts that God's truth inside you it allows you to meditate on it and think about it repeatedly in a way that you can't do I can think about it when I'm driving down the road I can think about it when I'm going to bed and I can't go to sleep in fact I've successfully gone to sleep some nights by reciting Psalm 103 in my mind until I went to sleep. Some, most of the time I don't even make it to the verse 22. It's like verse 16 I'm out. <laughs> you can think about it, you know, anytime, any place without bothering anybody. It's powerful. So I want to invite you to not only engage in silence this week, but maybe stack this discipline with it, this habit with it. Just a few minutes each day. It doesn't take long. So stack it with it. Maybe you do it right before you do your time of silence or right after. Or maybe you've got another time of the day that would be better. Whatever works for you. But that's our challenge. We'll try to finish by April 5th and I'll try to get as many videos of people uh, quoting it as I can and put together kind of a montage of our church saying this verse and so I'm excited to celebrate that with you just like we'll celebrate the silence time spent so I want to finish up by reading you a quote it's a quote by Dallas Willard from the Spirit of the Disciplines a book he wrote about this topic here's what he said that caught my eye this week The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it reality. We could say we avoid the disciplines and the habits, the practices, that would make it a reality by God's help. This memorizing is not what transforms you. It's not some formula. Do this. If you get it memorized, you're going to be a better Christian. It doesn't work like that. We put scripture in our minds so it is available for the Holy Spirit to work into our hearts. I'm going to say that again. And this is the way it is with all the practices like this. In memorization, we put scripture in our minds so that it's there, available, for the Holy Spirit to work into our hearts. And by this, we become new people with new hearts and minds. We think about life differently because we've incorporated new truths into our life. The message of the world is on repeat all the time, every day. So we've got to put God's message on repeat if we want to counter it. I invite you to follow Jesus, to embrace a new way of living. After we pray, I'm going to play a music video. Hopefully the sound will work all right. And it's a, they literally just sing a short section of Psalm 119. And that psalm is all about God's Word and incorporating it into our life and memorizing it and meditating on it. And so it's a beautiful song and I just wanted to share it with you. It's just, they're just going to sing scripture to you, which is another great way to memorize scripture, by the way. It's just to find a song that is scripture. I forgot to tell you, in my encouragement that you could do it. My kids have Heading Down the Highway memorized. Uh, that's what they call the song. Uh, you probably know it by Born to be Wild. You know that one? <laughs> I figure if my, if Peter, you know, three years old, has uh, what he calls Heading Down the Highway memorized, then then you could probably do it too. <laughs> you could probably do it with God's Word. Uh, to their credit, they both uh, have gone to Children's Garden and so Hadley has Psalm 100 memorized as well. And Julie hasn't memorized because Hadley hasn't memorized. So these sorts of things are doable even by the children amongst us and the adults alike.